Brother, how you doing, man? Very good. Very, very good. Um, it, it feels like a, a lighter week, a more manageable week. It feels like a week where things were productive, but I had my sanity at the same time, meaning I didn't crash on Friday. <laughs> how about I'm glad you? to hear it. So you didn't have your you didn't have your Friday nap. I didn't have my Friday nap. For people listening, um, I have a baby nap on Fridays. It's only a recent feature to my life, and this has occurred around six p.m. on Fridays, where I'm out for the count, completely gone. White towel moment, gone. <laughs> um, irrespective of who's in the room, I'm not present. And baby's crawling all over you. Literally, nothing. Um, but I've managed to work around it. I'm hoping that that won't become a constant feature. But for those people who think I'm mad, there is method to the madness. It's me trying to maximize Monday to Friday um, so that I do at least have a couple hours with the kids every evening and I have the weekends with them. But they're at that age where a couple hours with them is a mini marathon. Yeah, not looking forward to it. Wonderful, bro. It will change your life forever. <laughs> that's what people say. And that's what I'm saying to a, a guy I know. Um, your life is going to change forever. And I try to say it in the most sinister tone I can <laughs> conjure up. Your life will never be the same again. Um, Why have you done this to yourself? <laughs> it is wonderfully crazy. It's just it's brilliant. But yeah, they're a joy. Um, they're a joy. I've left them with Minions. Yes, I'm a bad parent. Um, Minions is currently my babysitter right now. <laughs> Fair enough, bro. Um, for How me, I'd say that this, yeah, this has been what I would refer to as a bottleneck week. In that some weeks in general for me can be quite full on. But every once in a while, you just get a week where so many different things hit you at once. So I had two major deadlines that needed to be delivered at work, which I won't go into because they are incredibly dull. Um, actually, not very dull. So one of the one of the pieces of work that I was doing was about looking at the autonomy space. So the possibility of autonomous robots replacing human responsibility. That so is the not idea dumb. that <laughs> well, that is it, it can't well. It's, well, it's, yeah, I guess not. But that I mean, is, I, I am we're, robot. It, it, well, we're looking at, you know, um, last mile resupply capability for the army. So, you know, for instance, looking at um, using robots to deliver the army with food and fuel and first aid kits, etc. Instead of having people on the field doing that. We're pause, also pause, looking pause. at what... Sorry, sorry. Um, we have a running joke about Skynet. <laughs> Skynet's real people. I, sorry, for those of you who've watched Terminator, um, go and watch Terminator. It's cheap thrills. There's like an organization called Skynet, which is artificial intelligence, which technically takes over the world and decides to destroy human beings because the one major issue with the world is humans. Yeah, you are working for Skynet. Well, Amazon is Skynet, bro. <laughs> when you delve into it, Amazon is Skynet. We'll get into that another day. Literally, some of the things they are doing. Speaking of which, one of the companies that we need to watch in the autonomy space is Amazon. Because right now, everybody living at home has probably 
experienced what it's like to do a lot more online deliveries or online orders with you know in-person deliveries and you're seeing a whole mixed bag of how things get delivered to your door from people knocking on your door saying hey how are you here's your order people leaving your um, order with neighbors people leaving your order about five feet away from your front door open to the elements for somebody to to steal it Um, and now we're in a situation where you can actually track some of these orders and before it used to be a man in a van with a with a a logo on it from a reputable company now it's people in their smart cars people on their bicycles order delivering your your amazon uh parcel that's all going to get replaced in the future by autonomous systems you're going to get a robot that's either going to drop something in your back garden or some sort of um unmanned car which is going to pull up outside of your house you're going to have to go to it and pick up your order and walk away that's what the future is looking like so all of these people who are delivering things to your to your door are actually going to get replaced and have to find work elsewhere it's probably not too kind of short term we're probably looking about 2040 2050 when when this gets delivered but yeah, it's very, very, very interesting for, for, for the future of, of work and what's going to happen to all of those kind of non-skilled jobs that are going to be replaced by autonomous systems. Yes, yes, so, yes. So I, I take your point, not, not that boring, but I think when you're, when you're doing some of the number crunching and some of the data collection and the market forecasting, it can get a little bit jarring. But at the same time, it makes you sound very smart in, in kind of small talk situations. So... I appreciate it for that reason. No, it's fascinating. Um, and it's really lit a fire in me because this links to our topic today significantly, um, especially when you think about all of these industries which have emerging roles and then new jobs. Think Uber, think delivery guys for Amazon. And it's creating opportunities. It's influencing the economy, which sounds great. Not realising that these are short term <laughs> Um, positions mm. now it, it doesn't seem like that initially but the powers that be know that that role is a stopgap for a machine to eventually take it over um yeah right i, I want to get straight into it because there's a lot that i would like to unload and to share um and to just pontificate about uh, who are we abby well say again who are we who are we that is one of the most complex philosophical questions that you can ask me we are um where do i begin we are complex sovereign individuals we are unique souls uh, on a journey through life um looking for purpose looking for fulfillment and hoping that we leave behind more good than we we had in the beginning that's you really caught me off guard with that i hope that made sense it it does and it's very well said off the cuff because that is an unbelievably difficult question to answer um we're also expensive lessons the podcast where oh yeah yeah yeah, that's fair (laughs) is that what you meant that is what i meant but i preferred your original (laughs) response because that's deep i'm not that deep um 
This is expensive lessons. I wanted just to give you guys a quick intro again. expensive lessons, the podcast. Yeah, I want to go straight into it. Right, people. Um, we are living in a time of immense change. Um, that is just stating the obvious. Immense change. And a time period where we are seeing how we do what we do change completely. And as a result, industries and uh, careers are changing at a rapid rate. Unfortunately for many people, they have lost their professions, their livelihoods because of the beast that is COVID. There are many of you listening who have not been impacted by that. Um, and we thank God that, that you haven't. But the Amen. question which I've, I've started to ask myself because I'm going through this right now is, am I growing or have I reached a state of plateau? Meaning regression. Uh, a wise man once said to me that he would like to be found dying, climbing up a new mountain and not going down an old one. And the idea of just pursuing continual growth. And what I'd like us to really delve into today is how can we ensure that whilst things might seem really pleasant and stable, we are not the next victim in terms of our role is going to be replaced by a machine or a better system, or someone who's just working harder than us. Or we will not, more importantly, reach our inevitable purpose, as stated by Abby previously. Um, I, I would hate to get to that point of 50, 60, looking back and regretting. Um, I know of a man right now who is making decisions or trying to make decisions, which he really shouldn't be making and when you try to psychoanalyze it, it's clear that he's trying to relive his 30s and his 40s when his responsibilities should be very different. There's a great deal there. There's a great deal to delve into. Um, but overall, it's about managing a balance between chaos and calm so that we can pursue growth. And today I want us to really delve into how can we do that? Why is it really important? etc etc so you mentioned and that made me think about quite a lot of i guess philosophical and biological considerations so we have two hemispheres in our brain we've got a left hemisphere and a right hemisphere as everyone knows what what many people don't understand is we've got two hemispheres in our brain for this exact reason because roughly speaking the left hemisphere in our brain is actually focused on allowing us to understand the unknown. So it's actually there to help us make sense of things that we've never seen, heard, smelled, um, interacted with before. Now, the right hemisphere is focused on allowing us to record and categorize information that we already understand. So... In our brains, we have these two hemispheres, which ultimately can be split into order mm. and change. Yes. So our brains are actually well created or well designed to allow us to overcome these specific challenges. Now, if one area of the brain isn't stimulated, then we actually feel a certain way about it. We actually notice that, okay, well, we're not actually connecting with both sides of, of, of our brain because one area is not being focused. Now, for instance, you could be in a very ordered environment with 
without much change, without much challenge, maybe a very monotonous existence where you're not actually engaging. We've all been in environments or been in jobs where it's almost a colour by numbers um, output or a colour by numbers experience where you're not actually engaging your brain. You've done this so many times that you actually don't remember that you've done it. Think about when you drive to the shop and then you actually forget that you've actually driven to the shop. Mm. You can't actually remember that drive because you're actually not engaging um, the side of your brain that needs to respond to change. You're seeing all of the same things. You're doing all of the same movements. You're changing gear at roughly the same point. But what about when you go on the motorway to visit a friend in a place that you've never seen before? You remember that journey in detail because you're experiencing new environments. You know, you're changing your... Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're changing your, your landscape, your experience, and therefore your brain has to connect the left side of your brain, which actually responds to change and responds to new experiences, has to connect with your environment. And there's a word for this. It's called the orienting response. And the orienting response is effectively when an organism has to make an immediate response to a change in its environment. And every human being has this. And you can feel it on occasion. And I think that's what we're talking about today. And a good example of when you feel that orientating response is not when you're covered in new experience and you're covered in change and you're covered in, you know, things that you've never experienced before. And definitely not when you're in an environment where everything is monotonous and the same. It's it's somewhere in the middle. It's somewhere where there's just enough order that you feel comfortable, but just enough change that you feel challenged. Yes. And... The way that I almost identify the orienting response in my life is there are certain ideas that I have that make my heart beat fast mm-hmm. and mean that I'm on my laptop researching till about two o'clock in the morning. Yep. And as soon as I come across that, I know I'm there. And then I have two choices. My choice is either I can put this in a folder and ignore it and go back to what I'm already doing in life. Or I can pursue that further, pursue it to the point where my heart is beating even faster and to the point that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually engaging in a new possibility. I'm actually, you know, finding a fork in a road and I'm choosing the path less traveled. Um, and this actually indicates or this reminds me of something that Jess mentioned when we had her on, when she said, I know that as soon as I feel nervous about doing something that I have to do it. Yes. That's your orienting response kicking in right there. Feeling the pain and doing it anyway. Absolutely. That, that, that orientating response is, is something we've all felt. And I hope that we're all actually reflecting as to when we felt it last. Because Abby gave a, a very tangible criteria for how to distinguish where you are. Are you comfortable to the point of plateau? Or are you currently on the the precipice of that orientating response and something new? It's it's incredible because our environments do literally dictate our capabilities. Um, like a, a goldfish will never be greater than the fishbowl that it's in. We we have to seek that new experience, and I think that orientating mm. response has led to so many powerful things. It, it it led to the company that we direct right now, but it's also led to so many other ideas which never actually saw the light of day possibly because they were reviewed and we thought "Mm, maybe not 
but maybe because we didn't actually take the pill. Is it the blue pill or the red pill in Matrix? We didn't take the pill. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say it's the blue pill. But Let's you call got it to the take, blue pill. You've got to take the blue pill. Because if you don't take the blue pill, you regress back to normality. Normality, mm. quote unquote, in terms of prior experience and nothing new. Um, what we as Christians are, are taught to lean not onto our own understandings and to try to seek new. Um, and I think what Abby's trying to say is that in order for us to grow and change, like stress, change is unnecessary. That that feeling that we have of our heart palpitating and you're actually doing research, you're looking into things that you've never seen before, you're acquiring new data and information that you have never come across before, is you improving your operating system. And we've got to constantly improve our operating system. Abby, you've used that analogy previously that we've got to seek upgrades. And I, mm. I'm really passionate about this right now because I'm thinking, I'm in that space where I'm actively doing it, but I'm saying it not to gloat that I'm actually doing it. I'm saying it to question, actually, when was the last time I was in that space? How many months or even years ago mm. was that? And how often should we be in that space? It's a, it's a really good question. I mean, just to add to what you just mentioned, I think we all have an innate understanding of our potential. Now, potential is a very weird concept because everybody knows what it is, but it's something that's very difficult to describe. Mm. Like your dad or your mum might say, you're not living up to your potential. But what does that really mean? You're not living up to your potential. What they're talking about is a future you. So they have philosophically identified who you could be and who you are now and spotted a gap. Now, I guess one of the worst things you could say to somebody, really, no matter where they are, is you've hit your potential. Um, because Crazy. what you're effectively saying to them is that you can't grow anymore. But we have a firm belief that we could reach certain goals, certain levels, which are above our current standing right now. And it's innate because you you see it. You look at somebody and you say, okay, well, this person is driving towards their potential or this person's not fulfilling their potential. What if Xbox and eating Doritos for dinner was that person's potential? No, apparently that's nobody's potential. We all have this kind of innate understanding that people can achieve more. Yes. And we then have to challenge ourselves to do it. And as I said, our bodies seem to know it. As in, it's further down than what's on the what's on the, the the conscious level. What our potential is, because sometimes we get steered towards certain things that have that that we never thought we'd be interested in, or that we never thought we could do. I think about when you know mothers who, after giving their sec giving birth to their second child, actually go into a gym for the first time and then fall in love, and then become incredibly you know, those crazy fitness fanatics that have, you know, found a new way of kind of achieving their potential. Like for the 30, 35 years of their life, this wasn't a part of their personality, but stepping into a new space allowed them to exercise a different muscle, literally yeah. and figuratively. Um, but it, what it requires is for them to step into a new space and and try something new and see if it connects. So tangible strategies that we're hearing is first, 
acknowledging that feeling, uh, that, that almost visceral and physical feeling of your heart about to leave your chest that no one else can see, only you can feel it. Acknowledging that, actively seeking that and questioning when was the last time you had it? But then also thinking about environments. You mentioned the importance of a new environment and how your environment will influence the individual. We, we, we are products of our environment, whether we wish to believe it or not. It is something which I see constantly in the world of education. It is worrying and quite saddening to know that certain people's potential is inevitably limited because of the environment they're in. Saddening even more so to think that actually if they moved 10 minutes east, their capabilities, their possibilities, their attainment and progress would be very different. Their attitudes mm. and behaviors would be very different. So which environment? Well, that's we interesting. No, that's that's interesting because I think about polymaths and polymaths are effectively just people who are um, very intelligent in a large number of areas. Um, I think about all of the most well-rounded, intelligent people that I know. How how you know the people that just inspire me that when when you listen to them speak, um, you're you're a bit in awe because. Part of you is like, well, how do you know so much about that and that? How much do you how how do you know so much about um, economics and the Wu Tang Clan? <laughs> yes, um, and you know those are the people that you just hang on every word because whatever they seem to step into, they just seem to delve into it and to to gather some sort of mastery one person that i'm thinking about in particular monsuru who i know listens to this he's a very intelligent person i'd say he's a polymath because as i said he's got this kind of level of aspiration for any area that he delves into whether it be music whether it be economics whether it be Sports. business and those people are constantly changing their environment constantly and I think one of the things that these people have in common is that they have to change their environment on a regular basis. That's how they gather so many different data points and triangulate mm. them into a position where they've got just a worldly understanding. Practical question for our beloved listener. When was the last time you changed your environment? In terms of career, workspace, in terms of educational establishment, in terms of maybe even where you eat, um, where you socialize. Because Monsuri is a, a brilliant example of someone who I think is the characteristics. I wanna delve into the characteristics and not the person because sometimes we can place individuals on a pedestal mm. and rightly so praise them, but almost detach the qualities that they have from public acquisition. So mm. what qualities oh, yeah, that person definitely actually have is that in curious, inquiring nature for more. So the question is, have you lost your curiosity? Because if you mm. have, then you have inevitably cut your potential. It's, it's fascinating because um, in, in educational philosophy, we, we often just pontificate on curiosity as a really important trait, which is almost hammered out of young people. Um, 
how do we know this? Well, young people are, really, really young people, are known for asking several random questions. Answer their questions. Do not ignore their questions. Do not, in, at any point, allow them to feel that them posing a question is a negative thing even if it is negative to you because you're having to regurgitate knowledge which you think isn't valuable but to that person they're gathering knowledge which is new which is potentially life-changing in terms of the way they see the world um for example my son's favorite question is what is that very simple and i wish he actually a beautiful spoke question. in complex sentences but it's getting straight to the point what is that daddy what is that and what annoys me at times is that i feel like he asks the question relating to things that he already knows what it is. So I'm wondering, why are you asking this? Is he asking it just to have a conversation with his dad? Or is he asking it because he's seeing it in a variation that he hasn't seen before? Now go back to the adult who's potentially ignoring that child because they feel that that knowledge acquisition isn't valuable. Well, flip it round. Are you still doing that as an adult? Now, this is not me ranting at you. This is me almost ranting at myself, questioning again. When was the last time I had that orientating experience where my heart was palpitating has it been so far too long sorry has it been far too long because i haven't valued knowledge acquisition as much as i should yeah you mentioned children and i think that stands out to me because i think if we embody some of the characteristics that most children have then this becomes a lot more straightforward yeah. as a uh, as as a, as a pursuit i think a few things that children have that we need to constantly challenge ourselves with the first thing is they think outside of the box now if you if you tell your two-year-old three-year-old child you can wear whatever you want today go on <laughs> you can wear what just see what type of outfit that they pull on they'll have wellington boots a Superman cape and a tiara and a, and a dress. And a potty on um, their head. <laughs> why not? I've seen um, it. But, but this is, this is the, the beauty of it because they're able to be creative. Now, obviously, we, we don't want to kind of be too reckless. But the beauty of that is that we are, they, are not, they are not limited by conforming to society. And I'd say that this is the biggest killer of creativity and people achieving their potential. The belief that I must conform to a certain view of the world. Yes. And I can't stand it when I see it in such brilliant people where they they have such amazing potential, but because their dreams and aspirations don't fit into the Western 21st century mold of what successful means, they kill their own dreams. Wow. And you don't have, nobody has to kill your dreams for you. You can kill your own dreams because you have agreed that they're too reckless. They're too out there. You know, they're too outside of the box. They're not within the framework that is success. Mm. So I think being able to, to think outside of the box is absolutely critical to actually being willing to, to achieve your potential if we look at some of the people that we constantly mention on this podcast, some of the people that are constantly being mentioned as um, exemplars of innovation, the likes of Elon Musk, for instance, 
what in his life is thinking inside the box? Uh, I mean, as I said, sometimes you can go um, too far. I forgot the name of his daughter, but I think his daughter's name has got numbers in it. It for has example. a few numbers. A few numbers. So, yeah, okay, there, there are limits to this. <laughs> let's not go that far, <laughs> potentially. But let's let's think about it. This, this individual has decided that he isn't going to conform to the way that the rest of the world is because he realises that it's, there are limitations to it. And some of them are very ridiculous limitations anyway. You know, and, and we're, we're, we're starting to see that getting pulled apart with COVID-19 in that um, Barbados have got work visas for a year, which means that now that people are remote working, you can literally do your job in Barbados. Yes. And there are people that are taking up and going, why, if I'm working from home Monday to Friday, don't I do it from paradise? Lifting the lid. A, gr- a great example of thinking outside of the box is the four-hour work week um, by Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss, where he just talks about people trying to achieve their perfect lives within a rigid framework. But as soon as you step outside of that framework, you can actually realize the four-hour work week. Great book. I, I, I really recommend it. The other thing um, that I'd say that children have, other than thinking outside of the box, is just curiosity. Now, this is a challenge because we all started out curious. Some people knock themselves and say, I'm not a curious person. I wish I was more curious. You were curious because nothing in this world made sense to you when you were born. Nothing. You opened your eyes and everything was a new experience. And your curiosity is the thing that got you to the point where you understand 90% of what you see in front of you now. The problem is, is that when you get to a certain age, your curiosity is no longer rewarded. You're no longer rewarded for asking quote-unquote silly questions. You sit in meetings where 80% of the things being discussed make no sense to you. But you do not feel empowered to put your hand up and say... I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. That gets knocked out of you and therefore you don't see it as a virtue anymore. Curiosity is definitely a virtue. And the problem that we have in today's society is that it's not rewarded enough. Um, Not publicly. Um, Not publicly. Privately, yes, because privately it creates the Elon Musks and the Steve Jobs of the world. Um, But it's, it's not canonized and taught almost but 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 this is why i would recommend you've been very conscious of who you keep around you yes because i'm i'm somebody who asks very esoteric questions all the time i'm always asking questions whether they make sense or not and i i love the fact that most of the people around me will humor me because what i'm trying to do is make sense of the world and even this podcast is an example of us trying to make sense of the world But if you're in an environment where maybe your uh, boyfriend or girlfriend, maybe your friendship group don't support you in some of those pursuits, then I think you really need to challenge who you are allowing into your circle. If you have a question and the response to that question is, that's a weird question. Why are you being weird for? Maybe you need to to question who is in your environment because they're not supporting or encouraging your curiosity. I want to be surrounded by people who, when you ask a stupid question, quote unquote, they're they're on the journey with you. They're on the journey with you, delving into why the question is being asked and how they can get an answer, how they can answer that question um, for you. 
as random as it might be, because what you're doing effectively is you're innovating. You're up, you're upgrading your operating system by asking those questions. Sometimes they would lead to dead ends, but sometimes they lead to a new business idea. I think the final thing I mentioned that children have, which we lose when we get older, is bravery. Um, I remember when I was eight or nine years old in Fort Park. All I wanted to do is get on every single ride a million times. And the idea of me that getting sick or getting injured on one of those rides didn't even enter my brain. I was going to live forever. But I remember when I was there, um, that, that, the, the adults that I went with, when you said, come on this ride, come on that ride, they were like, nope, no, I'm not doing it. So something in our journey, something as we get older, just tells us that we should play, play it safe. safe. But that bravery is the thing that allows us to upgrade our system faster. And it's so important when we're talking about addressing new challenges in life, because ultimately you might have a well-paying job, which is giving you a good amount of money. You might have a secure environment, but maybe you need to take a leap of faith and even do a year of working in a non-well-paying job to actually get to a point of kind of massive success, whatever that means to you. The amount of millionaires that we know of who you know have a rags to riches story Oprah Winfrey um even Steve Jobs who started his first company in his garage well maybe he's fortunate enough to have a garage in the first place but he could have been working for uh you know Nasdaq or FTSE 100 company like these people were brave enough to do something which wasn't the norm and they were brave enough to take a leap of faith trust their capability to be successful now are we also willing to be brave on our end or are we going to find ourselves in a position where we wish we took that leap 10 years ago but played it safe yes right now a lot of people are doing a lot of self-reflection they're they're reflecting on their environments who they're around what they do what they think how they think why they think the way they think which is a great thing because we can influence our environment it is moving away from being a passive participant in life to being an active architect in life. Um, the individuals that you mentioned are, are incredible, but they all have instances of tangents where they, they had to do something which just seemed completely off key to where they wanted to go. But mm. what they learnt in that was incredible. Uh, we think of Steve Jobs and dropping out and starting a course focusing on fonts, you think fonts, and how he incorporates that into the Apple system and how it was something which was well-received because people could change their font. It's like when people used to change their ringtones back in the day or create new ringtones. Mm. Something as simple as that of giving other people autonomy and choice changed his life forever. And it's... This is for that individual who potentially is on that tangent right now, thinking, I'm not where I wanted to be. I'm definitely not doing what I wanted to do. What is it in that environment which could be used, could be taken elsewhere? Um, 
I'd I like to make reference to someone who I, I know doesn't actually listen to this podcast, so I can mention him. Is um, my my brother-in-law. He he had a very high-paying job in IT and lost that job in IT due to COVID. He was part of the redundancies. Um, this is someone who did a law degree. A very high-paying job in IT. I was very impressed when I heard of the salary. I was like, wow, brilliant, drinks on you. Um, lost that job in IT. Quick prayer thinking, okay, we, this needs to be sorted. That could be heartbreaking. But found out two months later, he secured the same salary in architecture. That throughout that whole time, he was doing exams. He was reading. And I asked my wife, like, how, how does this guy actually do it? Because I don't want to delve into the full context of this individual, but he wasn't always that character. And it surprises <laughs> many people in the family because of what he he was perceived to be previously. But she just says he crams. He, he, he hides away. He will come to the family house and say, I can't stay here, mum. This is not a conducive environment. Go away and study. And study something which he hasn't been formally educated in and convince people through a thorough interviewing process that he's the best candidate. Now, this is not to praise him. Again, he doesn't listen to this podcast. But this is to say that it is possible if you are, as Abby mentioned, curious, if you're interested in innovation and being brave and stepping out, you will acquire new. New what? Well, it's up to you to decide. What new are you going to acquire? But if you're not acquiring new, then you are doing what that man mentioned to me, which is you are sliding down an old hill. Because where you were was once what you prayed for, was once what you really wished. But you conquered that mountain. What now? So, you you um, in 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 that that story really highlights a, a point to me that I want to share with people, which is not every step forward is a step up. Hmm. And I think the challenge for most people is we want to have a very linear journey through life. Yes. Where we're constantly going up and up and up and up and up. But not every step forward is a step up. But sometimes we need to stay, take a step down in order... Or we, need, we need to take a step back in order to, to eventually achieve progress. I was thinking about the founder of Airbnb. Yes. Now, that is a very interesting story. Yep. Um, Brian Chesky. He was an he had a degree in architecture and he was working for a well-known architectural firm in in LA and was very successful very successful to all intents and purposes um but he decided to leave that job and pursue um his his passion of 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 developing effectively an online um, home sharing platform, which is now the, the the biggest in the world. And while doing that, his first endeavor into this was to actually buy some airbeds and place it in, I believe it was his mother's basement. And those were the first Airbnb customers. They slept on airbeds in his mother's basement, um, which is where the name comes from. Some people think it's air bed and breakfast. No, it's air bed and breakfast. Um, so 
being able to, to to accept that, okay, well, maybe I'm actually not going to be able to get that increase in salary. Maybe I might actually not have a salary at all, but ultimately this is going to work for my good. Being able to accept that and appreciate that is often a necessary step to really achieving that progress. Listening to that has made me ask the question, what is and where is my mother's basement? Because there are so many people who've heard that phrase in an incredible story or variations of it, whether it be Steve Jobs' garage, meaning his foster parents' garage, or Dr. Dre's basement, or the founder of Airbnb's basement, or someone's bedroom where they they kept stock. Um, Where is that space? why, Why do I ask that? Because everyone's got a space like that which isn't actually theirs. In each of those instances, it's space which you are, uh, for want of a better word, occupying, but not necessarily owning, renting, but not necessarily having true ownership of. But it's space for you to, to critically reflect. It's space for you to build. It's space for you to come back to after you have sought new ideas, new relationships, new innovations, new knowledge and data to bring it back to a safe place and meditate upon it. Um, I mean, we used to speak about uh, going up the mountain and it's almost a variation of that, that the hyperbolical time chamber, which is a reference to my Dragon Ball Z fans. Yes, we are of that generation. Uh, (laughs) Very quick tangent. The hyperbolical time chamber was a, almost like this spiritual realm where warriors could enter and train. What made it special was that time in that space was far greater than time outside of that space. Um, So for example, a a year in that space would have been equivalent to maybe a day, possibly a week in reality. And warriors went there to train, to leave their families, to leave all luxuries, to go with their comrades and build, work on their craft, beat at their work, to come back out to then perform. Where is that space for you? I'm thinking, where's that space for me? Where is that right now? Practically, I'm currently in my office, not at home. I'm doing that because I need to, one, get away from home to ensure that I can think clearly, but it also helps me to, to meditate upon what I'm doing in a space where it's, it's just me. And in this world where there are so many different stimulants and so many things after your attention and your time, um, many of which aren't actually feeding you anything which will help your personal growth, where is that space for you to critically reflect and build? What is the equivalent of your mother's basement? That's really got me thinking, to be honest. I, I, that's a really powerful point. I think everybody needs a sanctuary even if it's a mental sanctuary where they can actually disappear and meditate if you're if you're a Sherlock Holmes fan it's been referred to in the past as his mind palace where he Mm. goes in to reflect on all of the information that he's got um, and create a plan and this highlights the point that we've had in the past which is creativity comes from rest now if you do have a very demanding job 
which is taking up ma the majority of your bandwidth, the likelihood is, is that you're not going to be able to think that clearly about your future because most of your best thinking is being dedicated to performing, performing in your role. So the, the point I would, I would make there is we need to find space, whether it be an intellectual space, a physical space, away from the ordinary, away from the day-to-day, just to, to to dedicate as much computing power to the question of am I re am I achieving my potential as possible? Yes. Now, and once you've done that, though, the question is, okay, well, I've I've got a question of yes or no. I have or I haven't. The question then is, what do I do now? What do I do next? My answer to that is, on one part seek adversity seek challenge mm. what is the greatest problem in your sphere and tackle it head on because you'll be surprised if you are able to create a system and a structure a formula for that people will worship your execution they will want to know how you will then become that annoying person who pops up on youtube selling programs but hopefully you'll be able to do it with ta a tangible business behind it. <laughs> but ad adversity is, it has a negative rap. For some people, they will appreciate actually adversity is the father of innovation. Because best believe if you are going through adverse situations, you will become creative. For a period, for a moment, you will. Everyone will. The question is whether that will continue and you will build upon it. Um, I'm, I'm of the, the firm, firm belief that our bodies were designed specifically for adversity. Fight or flight. Specifically for adversity. Everything about our body is actually designed to perform in adversity. Our muscles get stronger when we put pressure on them. Um, we get smarter when we are um, given challenges that we don't understand. We innovate when we come across obstacles that we can't overcome. Our bodies, our minds are developed to overcome adversity. We develop the strongest bonds with who? The strongest bonds that we create in life are developed with people who we've gone through difficulty with. Yes. Yes. So I don't think it's by accident that we should be pursuing that. Um, it, once again, for, for um, our, our religious uh, for our Christians listening, we are called to bear our own cross. We're called to carry our own cross and bear it. And the challenge there is effectively for you to identify the adversity, the challenge, the difficulty that is worth taking on, that would lead to the most good possible. Identify that and then bear it. Yeah. It's incredible because adversity will bring an individual closer to the person that God wanted them to be. Literally on the other side of that adversity is what God intended. And people might be surprised, controversial mm. statement. Your, your world's being shaken right now. Is it possible that it's God doing, who's doing the shaking? 
Is it possible that they just need to wake you up? Um, Imagine the Bible was full of people who just had fantastic lives. (laughs) Just had great lives. You know, they were born rich, um, had loads of privilege, and then, you know, had a great life, died peacefully in their sleep. (laughs) Oh, wow. There are elements of the Bible which are a horror story. Um, When you think about what actually happened to the disciples, the way they died... Yeah, we don't even want to talk yeah. about that. But it's it's something which we have to reflect upon. Do we have that right level of adversity in our life? There's a, is there a right level of challenge? Are you feeling challenged right now? Because if you are not, there is part of you which is dying. I remember in, in the years of wrapping parcels in the early hours, uh, I used to listen to Les Brown, um, Jim Rowan, um, Zig Ziglar, um, all Christians, all individuals who are paraphrasing the Bible and becoming millionaires for it and he would often stress the idea that many people get to 25 and die but have existence till they're 70 because at that point for the vast majority of your formal life in western civilization you have just been on the conveyor belt and you have made progress because society needs you to make progress so they have given you to a certain extent free education they've encouraged you to go on to further and higher education and you've done that like a good boy and girl and then you've gone out into the workplace you've got your job you've met someone and you have decided that yep it's time to have kids and get married but what what next like how many of us actually thought about our 30s our 40s our 50s how many of us actually planned them because i know looking back even as someone who i thought would have been a little bit progressive. Um, having adversity in my childhood made me a little, think a little deeper than my friends. Not much. I was still a bit of a hoodlum. But I didn't plan my 30s. It was very vague. Neither did I plan my 40s. We were never encouraged to be intentional about where we'd like to be and what we're going to put ourselves through to get there. All we planned for was our 20s. My my boy Kieran put it really succinctly. He said, "I don't, I didn't think I'd be alive when I hit thirty, if I'm yeah. honest." And that stood out to me because I think there is an element of 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 that. I think some people feel like they'll be twenty forever, which is a problem. Where you have a lot of people kind of cringing at the idea of turning thirty. I was grateful to turn thirty, yeah. um, but you, you know you have people who are you know very sad about turning turning thirty and forty and fifty, etc. Um, which in a sense is because maybe we feel like our lives are over, <laughs> um, which yeah, which is which is quite worrying. But I think the 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 other element of it is just the idea that we we look at the 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 sexy part of growing up, and the sexy part of growing up is kind of teenage years up until about getting married, and I think there's a bit of a belief. That as soon as you're married and kind of settled in your house, etc., that the world's just going to take care of itself. Yeah. That things are just going to work out. Things will just figure themselves out. Not realizing that fifty percent of first marriages end in divorce, sixty percent of second marriages end end in divorce. <laughs> we just assume. We just assume that once we hit this part, we don't necessarily need to build anymore because we've hit the, you know wife two kids house yes criteria 
Things are just going to work out. And part of the reason why some people end up quite miserable is because either they've stayed stagnant and their partners continue to change, which is a problem. They've continued to change and their partners have stayed stagnant, which is a problem. Or they've both stayed stagnant, which is also a problem. Um, If you are both developing and growing together then your relationship can become stronger. I remember there was a um, relationship coach called, well, I think I'm I'm doing her a bit of a disservice because she's more than that, but her name was Esther Perel. And she talked about the fact that she's been married to the same man four times. And what she said is every couple of years, they almost have to take inventory of who they are because yes. they are different people from who they who they initially were. And they have to rediscover each other and almost get married again because they're not the same as who they were. And that's a positive because it stops you wanting to cheat. (laughs) If you've actually figured out that this is a different person, this person is still surprising me, this person is still challenging me, etc. Then you're not going to be looking for those needs to be met elsewhere. We're talking, I guess, at high levels, and that's always my fault because I just have to be away with the fairies all no, the time. No, I appreciate don't, you. Don't apologize for it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to bring it. I'm, I'm going to bring it right back down again to um, practical stuff now. So I want to talk about what can we do practically to realize some of those changes. I think the first thing is just do something else. I think we've fallen away from uh, a, a people who have hobbies. 20 years ago if you ask people what were their hobbies somebody would people would say at least something we don't really have hobbies now because our hobbies are all the same netflix instagram <laughs> facebook ex- nobody has hobbies anymore which i think yeah. is really sad and i think the first thing that i would encourage people to do is take up a hobby and it could be something which is completely outside of what you're used to take up a coding course Take up a new language. Um, Take up a photography course. Pick up a hobby. Because what this does... Learn an instrument. (laughs) Do people still do that? Um, Because because go and do a karate class or a self-defense class. I'm going to keep coming with these ideas. But the idea there is that you are challenging your brain to operate in a way that it's never had to operate before. You're challenging your body to work in a way that it hasn't had to work before. And what this allows you to do is actually apply some of that understanding to other areas of your life. People say that wisdom is the ability to find how information or find how um, concepts which aren't obviously linked are actually intrinsically linked. So if you're able to um, identify how the economy works very similar to a school system, for instance, then you're able to use the information that you've gathered from one place and apply it to another. Afalabi is always using football analogies in anything we do because he identifies that there are some underlying first principles within football, which is a microcosm in itself, to many other aspects of the world. So hobbies, number one, is a very fantastic way of just exercising your your brain and exercising your body, figuratively and literally. Um, another thing that you can do is, once again, if you are in, in a relationship that feeds you, 
as opposed to one that crushes your spirit is go on interesting dates. Use your dates as an opportunity not to just go on dinner and, you know, talk about the weather, but do something different. Yeah. Go visit a museum. I know, you know, this is going to sound quite cringe or coming from me, I'm sure, but go to a museum, do a, do a sporting activity, go rock climbing. Once again, we're forcing ourselves to step into the unknown and learn and develop, which I think is really important. It's so um, the n- No, go for it. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying just the umbrella of being intentional. Because mm. I, I just keep on hearing be intentional, be intentional, be intentional. The reason why so many Absolutely. people reach twenty five and everything ends is that well they weren't the pilot prior. Or they thought they were. But the party in power was the pilot, your parents the pilot potentially the people around you were pilots you are now the pilot so where are you going and how are you going to get there be intentional Uh, continue no problem um so with that being intentional piece you might think to yourself well i'm in a job i need my salary i can't justify stepping away from that salary at the moment and it really depends on your job but one of the things i would recommend if possible is ask for a secondment Ask you if ask, ask your employer if it is possible for you, with their um, blessing, set, with, with their permission and with their financial support, for you to to try something different. And if you work for a corporate environment, so comments are very common, um, and are a great way for you to to identify a potentially new pathway with the security and safety of still actually having a full-time job behind you. So just asking for secondments, looking looking for opportunities to, to develop your understanding in new areas. And yeah, just, you know, even if it's not something that immediately strikes you, this is something that I want to do. A six months secondment could change your perspective on a whole lot of things. Even if it's because you're working in an organization or you're working with people who operate completely different from you. It may even encourage you that you've actually got a very good thing and maybe you don't want to leave. So so comments are a fantastic way of you just seeing whether the grass is really greener or not. The last thing I would say is just spend time with interest in people. I can't stress this enough. And... The amount of people that I've realized are just, they've just been defeated by the world and they've been defeated by social media. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and at the end of that conversation, you've just thought to yourself, there are about 4,000 of you who, it doesn't really matter what I ask or, you know, what I say. I already know what the response is going to be because your response wasn't cultivated by you. It was cultivated by social media and what you've watched on television and the hashtags that you listen to and the Netflix show that you're currently listening to and the sound bites that you hear on the news. You're not actually fully a person. You're just an avatar for other people's ideas. Unfortunately, there are way too many people like that nowadays. And it's interesting because when I, when I speak to people who, are, who live rurally, so part of my job means that sometimes I have to go to places like Somerset and they don't necessarily um, operate in the same kind of bubbles that we do in, in London. 
And the fact that these people think so differently from us is just amazing to me and really encouraging that, okay, we aren't all just a monolith. But honestly, if you find that you can predict the responses to your questions before they've been asked on almost every occasion, then I think what you need you need to do is find a new circle, find a diverse circle and not diverse in terms of what people look like, but diverse in terms of what people think. I And maybe it's just me, but I can't stress how boring it is now to have a conversation with people when you already know what's going to come out of their mouth. Yep. Because then you're not being challenged. Then you're not actually going to grow and develop who you need to be because your circle isn't growing and developing they're not being curious so i i I know this is going to sound quite harsh but sometimes we need to be harsh if you're listening to this podcast you probably know what i'm talking about and you probably don't feel any way in what i'm saying because you're looking for that personal development you're looking for that personal growth so don't be ashamed to avoid conversations with people who are going to spout the same stuff that you've heard a million times from the news or from from social media um and you're searching for people who think deeper who are you know thinking outside of the box who've chosen non-conventional life pathways because those people will feed you and they will challenge your view of the world as well they will Um, and, and if you're currently enduring people like that Get out. And I say that in reference to the film. Get out as quickly as possible. Get out. And if you are one of the people like that, if you're listening and you think to yourself, well, I'm not particularly interesting. I'm not. But first of all, make sure you're just not being somebody who's beating up on yourself. Because I know a lot of people like to beat up on themselves now. Where they say, I'm not interesting. I haven't got anything to offer intellectually. But you're running a business and you've got you know, an, an, in, an incredible amount of, you know, devotional people who support your ideas and support your, 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 your way of thinking. If you're somebody who actively is an interesting person, but you're just someone who beats up on yourself, then I would say you need to have a little bit more confidence in who you are. But if you are somebody who outwardly would say, I'm not a very curious person. I'm not a very, um, uh, ambitious person from a kind of personal development standpoint I'm not a particularly well-rounded person then I would challenge you to develop those skills not just for yourself but for the people around you as soon as you become more well-rounded as soon as you become more gifted intellectually then you are actually doing a service to the people around you because they will also benefit from who you are and what you bring to the table so that would be my encouragement to you. Um, and also, yeah, you, don't, you definitely don't want to be the Darren of the group, do you? You don't want to be the Darren in the group where everyone's like, oh, I don't want to be sat next to Darren. We don't want to have to talk to Darren, do we? Because he's not going to say anything interesting. Oh, Darren's calling. And I know he's going to want to talk for a while. Oh, God. Can I just hang up? Can I pretend I didn't see the call? Don't be a Darren, guys. Do you know, I, I laugh. Because there was, a, there was a period when I was around maybe at 11 to 13 when the phrase was, don't be Derek. And I never actually found out who Derek was. But Derek was someone, <laughs> Derek was someone in South East London who had messed up so much that the phrase was, why are you being a Derek? 
don't be Derek. Don't be a Derek. Derek was one of those people who you were allowed to insult to their face for some reason. It's like oh. Derek would come into. Oh God, it's Derek. Um, that was De- like, and and he'd be like, "Hi guys, how are we doing? What are we up to today?" You're like, shut up, Derek. That was Derek. You don't want to be a Derek. Don't be Derek. This episode is all about empowerment. This podcast is all about empowerment. And the reality is we have to self-regulate and self-evaluate our own lives. We are responsible for our own growth. Um, We are all self-made, as wisely said, but only successful people admit it. We are the the working out. We are the rationale. So we, we do need to, I don't know, take some time just to invest in why we're doing what we're doing and how we can potentially get to that next step. Potential is infinite. Almost remove that glass ceiling, remove all those targets, and just acquire more. More opportunities to serve, more data points for acquiring knowledge, more instances of great conversations and relationships. Find when your heart beats, store and acknowledge those moments, record the data that you have gathered for your research, act upon it, evaluate it, critique it. Find instances where you are looking for other people to mentor you, to to guide you through um, the thought process of developing more. Go on secondments, like Abby mentioned. Um, I'll buttress the point. I did it for six months and it was amazing in terms of I learnt how what I knew could be applied in another setting and how there are underlying principles of leadership irrespective of the context, just do more, do more. Abby, I'm gonna allow you to have the final uh, point, but I I really hope that people have found this useful. This is a podcast around empowerment, predominantly around entrepreneurship, and many people have enjoyed our quick-witted, how to start a business in 30 days, brilliant. However, in recent times, you've heard us really interrogate the mindset of the individual because it's our mindsets, how we think that will dictate the products and the impact that we will have. Mm, We started out this podcast talking about the importance of trying to embody that childlike mentality of curiosity, bravery, thinking outside of the box. And almost poetically, I want to look at the other end of the spectrum and look at older people. And one of the common things that we talk about when we when we see our grandparents or you know people in their 80s and 90s is that they have no filter and i think something happens to us when we realize that we may not have many more decades left where we just r- remove many of our inhibitions yeah because we went through life with inhibitions and realized that that didn't serve us and now that we've got maybe a few more years to, to close out. We don't want to to leave things unsaid or leave things undone. And there was a study done on people who were over the age of 100 
And we asked, they, they, the, the question of them was asked, well, what are your biggest regrets? Many of the people that uh, they spoke to had no regrets whatsoever, which I think is a beautiful thing to, to, to know that, you know, in your last few days, you have no regrets. But all of the people who did have regrets, they all had a similar theme within their regrets. It wasn't the things that they did do that they were embarrassed about. It was the things that they never did. It was the people that they never spoke to. It was the conversations that went unsaid or the, the text messages that never got sent. The ideas that never got a chance to see the light of day. We've only got one life. And I definitely don't want to go out regretting the things that I didn't do. And I'm really hoping that, that you don't either. This is has been a another introspective uh, episode of the expensive lessons podcast where company directors share with you the lessons that they've learned along the way of our relatively short journey so far and we really hope that you get some benefit from it and we really hope that you're you're enjoying it feel free to get in touch with us with any ideas any comments that you might have but as always we're rooting for you we're praying for you we want the best for you and we thank you for listening thank have a great listening. week people have an amazing week and share this with someone who needs it take care take care